FMX Network Production. You cast me, I'll complete me till death do all part. What's up, guys? It's Alex Gray, and you're listening to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. That's all we need is more fake news, Pulp MX bullshit. It's quality, not quantity, all right, man? Welcome to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. This is Dark Side from the Moto X Pod Show. This is the number one wrap-up show in the moto industry, where each week, myself and a couple guests wrap up and discuss the good, the bad, and the janky in that week's Pulp MX Show. But before we get started, I want to thank all the sponsors who've come on board. Guts Racing, Michelin Bicycle Tires, Seal Savers, and Motosport.com. I appreciate all the help and support from those great companies, so please use them and support them. Also, feel free to reach out with questions, comments, or critiques by emailing me, darkside at pulpmx.com. All right, let's wrap this thing up. Two to go. This is the next to last Pulp Mix wrap-up show, and I'm still your host, Darkside. I grabbed a couple heavy hitters tonight to co-host this one with me, so I want to introduce them. First up, from Racer X and Start Your Systems, brought to you by Seal Savers, Mr. Kellen Brower. Oh, thanks, Darkside. I appreciate you putting Start Your Systems in there. It makes me feel a little more established that way. Well, I mean, that's, I mean you're pretty famous from that stuff. <laughs> Barely. How do you feel? Well, well, let's get let's get our other guests on quick, and I'll ask this question. Next up, also from Racer X. Apparently, he's a sellout. He's brought to you by Guts Racing. Our boy Roto Moto, also known as Donnie. What's going on, Roto? Hey, buddy. It's good to be on. How are you? Uh, it's good, man. I appreciate both of you. I know this is a super super busy time over at Racer X. Big news dropping today, and we're going to touch on that in a minute. So, YouTube taking some time for the next to last wrap up show. Thank you very much. Anything for you, Dark Side. <laughs> well, what I was about to ask a minute ago is I s- joked about you being famous from Start Your Systems, and you are no- you're a known guy, Kellen and Roto. You've become a known guy in the industry, and I bring this up because we'll talk about the dating game in a little bit. And this sort of relates. My stepdaughter was telling this woman she works with that she should go out with me and I'm famous. I was like, Taylor, you can't say that. I am not famous. And she's like, yeah, you are. I was with you. People asked for your autograph. I was like, it's all relative, right? So like, Kellen, how do you feel that like people know who you are? People see you, they call you out at times. Like, what is that? Like, how do you deal with that? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really, really cool because I, I still feel like I'm not really that well known and kind of a nobody, I guess. And in the grand spectrum of things, like we really are not that big of a deal. Like even someone like an Eli Tomac or a Ken Roxon isn't going to be recognized at many airports or things like that when he's just walking through the, the normal crowd. But for us to be as well known and popular in our little niche sport is cool. Like it just shows how community driven this sport is that you can find ways to get known and, and have people know who you are and, and then get to know them and and it just kind of keeps growing the community is one big push like that. Yeah, and to relate this to Pulp Mech so Steve doesn't get mad, you know, I mean, what do you, what's he going to do? He can fire me. we got one left. But <laughs> do you ever, when somebody comes up to say hi to you, Kellen, do you ever just say, yeah, cool, and walk away? Oh, no, I mean, but <laughs> Steve, Steve, Steve and Weeds are different. I'm, I mean, I don't know how much you've walked around with either of them at, at a race or something like that, but, like, if I'm walking from the press box down to the pits, and we're not going far to the pits. We're going like the factory team, like right at the front. Weeds will get stopped like 
15, 20 times. And it gets to a point where with them, like they, they do have a job to do. They have to get a story or something and they can't stop and say hi to every single person. So for me, you know, I only get stopped maybe four or five times a day, which is really nice. And it's nice to talk to those people and get to know them. But for, for those guys, like they, they can't do that with every single person because they'd be there all night long. That's true. And we'll get into more of that in a little bit. Roto, how about you? You, you're, uh, you've become a presence on YouTube and all the different things you've done online. Do people recognize you? Uh, yeah, it was actually, I mean, I've, I posted up the few races I've gone to and said, I have at least small enough to do. I was like, Hey, if anybody wants to meet up, let me know. And I've tried to make time for those people to just, you know, have like three to five minutes and talk to them, which has been great. Um, I don't know how long you can keep that up, obviously. Uh, especially as like my duties are going to increase as well. I'll have more stuff to do, but it was cool. Um, my wife and I were trying to get back to the press, you know, 30 minutes before gates dropped and we were in like a crowded area and somebody yelled out Roto. And I was like, I don't know who that was, but that's cool that yeah. you recognize me in a crowd, you know, like sardines, uh, right by the food area. So I love it. Yeah, it's definitely cool. And, and, you know, obviously try to make as much time as you can, but yeah, like when you're, when you're almost chasing after guys, it's just like, Hey, you know, they understand. Yeah. They yeah. might kind of rib you on it, but the fans know they're like, yeah, you got work to do. So that's it's cool. It's cool. I just wanted to touch on that for a second, but we're really here to talk about show 525. Chris Kiefer and Eric Phipps from Works Connection in studio. Zach Osborne, Mike Brown, Robbie McCory, uh, and the genius that is David Villeman on the phone, as well as Jason Thomas, myself, Michael Lindsay, and my new favorite caller, Dom. We're going to get into all those things. <laughs> First up, though, Kellen, overall thoughts on the show. It started out pretty hot. Uh, we had an I hate Mike Brown quote. Big media st- stuff at Anaheim. You guys probably know what was going on. I don't know if anybody wants to break that news early. Uh, just because he said it's okay doesn't mean it's okay. A lot of F-bombs. And the polls are liars and burnout talk. Lots of hot topics within like 10 minutes, Kellen, right off the bat. Uh, what'd you think? Oh, man. it was. Uh, I thought it was kind of one of those up there all-time off-season shows. Sometimes when he... He has off-season shows that can feel almost like he's just doing a, a one-on-one podcast with his co-host because there's not a lot of news to talk about, so it's really just like catching up, hanging out. But uh, yeah, coming in hot right off the bat, it's definitely set a tone for the rest of the, the show because I feel like it livened Kiefer up pretty quick. <laughs> and so every guest that called in after that, or obviously when DV got on the line, I felt like Kiefer was uh, pretty riled up and, and ready to go and have a good time. And Steve was trying to cool him down and, and run the <laughs> show at the same time and it just made like a fun dynamic the rest of the show so i thought it was a good one yeah roto uh again hot start but i i thought it was i don't usually call in that early but i was i was a little fired up what'd you think of the show though overall the in the first 30 minutes being pretty intense yeah it came right out of the gates like um i definitely was a little bit surprised because you know this might be like some inside insider talk but you know the uh the $800 segment didn't go over well uh, on Twitter <laughs> on anything. Like I've read a lot of it um, yeah. on the YouTube comments and all that stuff. So I was surprised that it got brought back up at all, but then it actually turned out to be, you know, a really good segment uh, between you Kiefer and Steve all kind of bantering on it. So it was definitely, it was definitely a laugh track filled kind of 30 minutes. It was a good one. Nice. Well, we'll get to all the stuff that I was involved with, but I want to start off with the Kenny Roxon discussion that they brought up because the news finally dropped today you guys have been very busy dealing with all the the hot the hot news it's finally 
We know that he signed with Hep Suzuki, and they talked about it Monday night, right? Let's start with well, they were they were basically saying, you know, is it a good decision? Should he make the make the uh, if he makes the decision to go to Suzuki, how's that going to work out? Let's just listen to some of the audio. Roxton already was kind of like, yeah, okay, I'll try it just for shits and giggles. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some money attached to that. Why not give it a try? And then was shocked by how well it worked. So his expectations were probably really low, which led to, oh, wow, this thing actually is pretty good, especially on a Supercross track. From and, what I know, the, the best financial opportunity was yes. with him. Yeah. And one more I want to thing that I don't think anybody else kind of thought about. I feel like he's thinking, you know what? This bike's pretty good. Uh, I got a good chunk of money for this. No one's expecting me to win on this thing. So what if I go win on this? The upside is huge. The downside is like, yeah, of course he's not going to win. We already know that the it's a Suzuki. There's no way. So now let's say Kenny does come out and win. It just looks that much better for him. So it's all upside, I feel like. I I don't believe that. He can win on this bike. Oh, I know he can. Right. But I'm saying right. the general public. The general yeah, yeah, perception yeah. Right. is it's okay if he doesn't win because it's a Suzuki. I don't th- I don't have any doubt that he yeah. can win. I'm a little bit surprised with the move though. Yeah. yeah. Um because you know Chris talked about like it's a, for a lot of money. But I don't, think really, I, don't think lo- that, I don't think it's for a lot well, of money, but, but it's the even, most money he can make. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I know he likes the team structure. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a set team if he liked the bike. And, yeah, he's familiar with it because when was that, 2015? That he 16? Rode? 16? 16, I think, was the last year. Yeah. So, but, man, he looked good on that Honda. So then I'm like, yeah, keep one going, Paris, I keep right? going yeah. back and forth. Like, yep. I don't, you know. I 100% expect Kenny for the first few rounds when I go to talk to him after the races, he's going to tell us about how he's still getting used to the bike. He started late. All that. I 100% expect that. That's a built-in, and it's a legitimate excuse. Yeah. Reason. But he could win and still say the same thing. So, Roto, again, drop today. We know what, what's going on. But what do you think about Ke- uh, Kiefer's, anal- not analogy, but his thought there that he could kind of almost say, well, nobody expects me to win, so it's like a win-win either way, even if he doesn't win. Well, I, w- I don't think Kenny's thinking that way. I think that it's at least got to be in the back of Kenny's mind a little bit. Um you know, at this point in his career, he doesn't really have anything to prove. A lot of people are already kind of writing him off. And also on any bike, he could go out and get, I was just looking at how stacked the class is right now. Like one of those guys is going to have to finish outside the top 10, you know, like there's a lot of really good dudes right now, but I kind of side with Kiefer a little bit that, yeah, I mean, if he comes out and wins on it, his legacy is cemented like that. That's ridiculous. Everybody said he couldn't do it. And if he doesn't, everybody be like, yeah, well, that's what you get. Okay. All right. I, I really wouldn't have thought. Kenny would think that way, but yeah, yeah, I guess you never know. And Kelvin, what about you? They also mentioned at some point that oh, he's going to win races. Neither one of them seem to think he can win a championship, though. And I don't know that I believe that. I think he's certainly capable. I think he's more motivated than he's been in a long time, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, he certainly could win a championship, but I do kind of agree with them that uh, the door of opportunity may be closing for him a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I think that he was at his peak maybe a couple years ago and not to say that he can't get back there because we've seen, you know, what a team switch has done for Jason and Eli and, and, and Barsha and all those other guys. Maybe this ignites that flame for him and he does find that success. But I don't necessarily think that you look at this move on paper and it shoots him up to a, a higher level than he was before or anything like that. So that's why I think I kind of agree with them that 
he doesn't instantly become a, a, a player to me that is uh, much higher up in a championship scenario than, than he was before. And um, I could see why it would easily knock him down a few pegs as well. If you factor in the, the idea that he's coming to a program that he's never ridden for, even if it's the same bike, uh, it's a team that has never really had a caliber rider of him on that team either. And uh, they're both going to have to kind of learn together uh, how to make it work. And at Honda, he was rooted, you know, like yeah. he, he knew what worked and what didn't. And uh, that I think that could be a deterrent for him. Yeah, I guess it could be. But I, th- I think the mental side makes up so much like that bike isn't that far off. You know, it's still a good bike. They talked about that last night or Monday night. But the mental side, he is clearly happier. He talked about in Paris just the fact that at Factory Honda, there were things that he knew in his mind would make that bike better and make him better, and they just wouldn't allow it to be done or couldn't do it. So, like you said, that change, like Jason had and Eli had, that that just might be enough mentally to put him back where he needs to be. Yeah, it could. Um, It's just so tough to say because, this year was such an anomaly in that sense that we don't normally see guys jump to a new team or a new bike and kind of find like instant success the mm-hmm. way that, that Jason and Eli did. So I, I, it, it will be an interesting case study no matter what, because if he does, if he does find instant success, maybe, you know, someone like Cooper, who's going to be a free agent, uh, Cooper Webb, who's going to be a free agent at the end of this year is, is really like, okay, maybe I do need a change. Maybe, you know, things weren't gelling with me here. And if I go somewhere else, I can do the exact same thing. I think it, Definitely opens up the floodgates a little bit. It's going to make it exciting. I'm, I can't wait for Anaheim 1. I know you guys are all over it. Let's talk about Zach Osborne calling in. Moves to Blue Crew. Going GNCC racing, sprint enduros. Kellen, you interviewed him, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, like, and put up an article about 24 hours before I got mine up. But hold. I beat you. <laughs> yeah, he beat me. Weege beat me on some one. But um, this is cool, man. I, I know he's been wanting to do this for a long time. You can hear... In his voice, I'm sure when you talked to him, I interviewed him. Then, of course, Mathis gets him way late. Mathis is way behind the eight ball. <laughs> but he uh, he's just happy, man. And it's funny to listen to Steve. You're like, what are you doing? What are you thinking? And Zach's like, hey. I think his quote was something like, I've, I've always had this ambition, and you always hated on it. But it, it's pretty cool. I just think he's in a really good place, and he's going to have a lot of fun doing this. I, I would 100% agree. Honestly, it's uh, it was interesting to me that Mike Brown was the other guy that was you know a call-in guest on the show because I almost kind of look at Zacho and Brownie in in a little bit of the same vibe. Both guys that race GPs, both guys that found success in the USA, and I think both of those guys we've seen with Brownie. He after his career just kept racing and racing and doing more, and he's still racing and still winning titles and all this stuff. I could easily see Zacho doing the same thing. So I, I totally agree that like he just seems looser, happier. And as he put it on the show, he felt like he never really closed that chapter on his professional career because he got pushed out instead of doing it on his own terms. So this is sort of like kind of filling that void that he felt like he was missing to still have that competition, the challenge, and still have something to work for. I agree. And Roto, uh, Steve, as he does with his negativity, you just had this cush job making all this money. It always goes to that. Uh, but I don't think it was, well, it was a cush job, but I don't think Zach was super happy, he w- happy with just the ambassador role. Right. He told Kellen and he told me that like he wanted to race off road for Husky and they just never gave him the opportunity. The, the, the opportunity wasn't there. So again, I think he, he just sounded really happy. Yeah, I agree. And 
obviously his career was, you know, unceremoniously shortened, especially right after the greatest success that he's ever had. So he definitely has unfinished business, even if he isn't going to be, you know, on the motocross track. He definitely, he's the kind of guy, yeah, he wants to ride. Mm-hmm. Sure, it's a cush job and whatever, but that's not, he's not there yet. He, that got taken from him a few years early. I agree. And and then his choice to race XC2, the 250 class, that was his choice. He'd, he talked about that multiple times. And I love that he has no ego, right? Because he could probably talk them into, I'm just going to race 450 class. But he's like, look, I'm not good enough. I These guys, he said it would basically be disrespectful to think he could go in and race with those guys, win a championship, even in the 250 class. I love, Roto, that he, Zacho is the guy he is. No ego. Just, he's very humble. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, he, and he's kind of been like that as long as I've, you know, really followed the sport mm-hmm. as closely as I have. Um, just, he just wants to compete and, and, you know, and I don't want to say, I don't want to give him the out that, you know, the 250 class is less pressure, but also it, it is a little bit of less pressure. He doesn't know. I mean, he thought he was going to come back to, you know, motocross last year and then his injury kind of didn't allow him. So I think that it's definitely a little less pressure for him, especially coming off of a, you know, what literally was a career ending injury. Good point. Guts Racing was established in 1990 as a premier off-highway seat manufacturing company, offering high-performance seat covers and foam for motocross, supercross, and off-road competition. Guts Racing has worked with every top rider at some point of their career, from Steve Lampson and Jeremy McGrath in the 90s to Ricky Carmichael and James Stewart in the 2000s, and today with Rockstar Husky, Pro Circuit Kawasaki, and many more. If it's style performance you want, you've come to the right place, so check out GutsRacing.com for info on the many products offered, such as the Phantom Light seat foam. What do you guys think about burnouts, Kellen? <laughs> come on i don't want to have an opinion on that you got to I well, mean, like ah oh, gosh i don't know like i i kind of i kind of agree with steve that doing it at minios is a little over the top but i i don't know like do what you want to do i guess i don't yeah. really have that much of an opinion about it well let's listen to what they had to say and then i'll get you going roto hey burnouts are sick though what burnouts after you win minios that's fun where yeah. was <laughs> Where was, <laughs> where was the grown adult to be like, hey, 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 you just won many O's. You got top 10 at Paula. Let's maybe not do a burnout. Instead, uh, there's Duff. Uh, hey, Duff, you want to, Duff won a 250 Supercross title <laughs> with, my, with Christian Craig. Like, that's a big deal. Oh, man. You're going to do burnouts at many O's? Hey, whatever. Dude. It's, it's whatever. I don't, I'm not coming down on Hayden. Some adult in the room should have said, no, we don't do burnouts for many O titles. Myself and Ryan Morris, we won like 20 titles. Right. No so, burnouts? So you can't be like, what do you know, Mathis? <sighs> we won 20 titles. We beat Stu. We fucking beat Stu. Have you thought maybe it's in the star contract that they have to do Fuck burnouts? Fuck me, man. Duff I knows mean- better. Come on, Duff. <laughs> Stuff. He was just happy, man. That's cool, man. Be happy. Got... No one said don't be happy. Be happy. <laughs> Can we turn Steve's mic down a little bit? I was going to say. I was, was going to ask <laughs> about Fuck that. me, man. You started this thing off. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Roto, Steve went from his 5 to 100 faster than his new vet's going to go 0 to 60. That was <laughs> impressive. But I don't know why he cares so much. Oh, I don't know. Like, I'm not surprised that this is the thing that Steve cares so much about. I mean, I guess it's, I I mean, I guess with his not wanting to blow bikes and everything, like I get it. It might be an old school mentality or something. I don't know. But, uh, but I mean, I, I kind of get it. It sucks that it's Hayden Deegan because we're kind of stuck in this middle of, you know, 
kids are going to be kids and we forget that he's a teenager and that's a teenager thing to do. Like they're going to, they're going to relish every win. Yeah. Um, But at the same time, you know, he is a, he is that kind of talent that we all should maybe do the, yeah, well, you know, act like you've been here before because he obviously has. Right. Well, man, I, I just don't care. Like I, people like to win, Steve. Some of us like to put our trophies up because we like winning. It's fun, Steve. (laughs) You know what? And you can go check out vital.com, vitalmx.com for the Hayden Deegan interview I did. And I asked him about it. He's like, man, you know, some of the guys were like, hey, the engine builder told him it was the end of the, the life. Um, the engine had to be serviced anyway. Go do it. Just go, you know, do a burnout. Have some fun. Who cares? It's not that big of a deal, Steve. But yeah, Kellen, it's just, dude, I like, we like, to, I, mean, I tell you what, if I win this weekend at this local race, I'm doing a burnout. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the one thing, like I said, that I agree with Steve on is that like, if you go over there, like we're in the media, we're going over there at the end of the day and we want to interview Hayden Deegan about how well he did at Minios. You can't because you cannot hear anything. There is <laughs> there's no way in any shape or form that you're going to get a good interview because it's just, it's wide open and loud. And what Steve's point is, is that like, you know, you want to hang out and party and, and do all that stuff and celebrate with your team, but you're not really celebrating as much as you're just making everybody go deaf. So that's the one, <laughs> one thing all that's right, the Kellen. one thing that Steve says that I get. But I also get the other side of it. Like, none of us are ever going to win videos. At least, I, I don't think so. Even if I get to, you know, 50 years old and I'm still racing like Mike Brown, I ain't winning videos. Well, so no, because Mike Brown no will still chance. be winning. Exactly, yeah. He'll be 73 or something yeah. and still winning. But there's, you know, if we did get to that level, I could totally see why we would want to do a burnout for winning minios because that's rad like it's a huge accomplishment for a lot of people to get to that level and i get it that hayden is probably going to do better things than that but at this point in time it's kind of the pinnacle of his career to this point yeah i agree with you even though you sound very old kellen damn it you sound like an old man (laughs) it's wild we can't hear damn it music's too loud motorcycles too loud why did i get southern i don't know that's the only accent i have it's the only one i've got (laughs) But what I do love about sorry, real quick, what I do love about Steve's rant there and, and a little behind the scenes, you've been to the studio now, Dark Side, so you know how much like soundproofing stuff Steve has around. <laughs> yeah. up, you know, he's got like a whole soundproof curtain. Yeah. He's yelling so loud in that clip that it's still echoing. Right. Like that is how over the top his volume was <laughs> and how mad he was about that situation. It's, love the behind it, the scenes of that. It's so funny. And you brought up Mike Brown. Man, Mike Brown, he's do he's winning. He's excited. But at the same time, he has moments where he he's not happy about his racing. I, the end of this audio just actually made me sad. Let's get to our next guest here. The gentleman uh, is a former 125 national champion, and he just spent the summer kicking Kiefer's ass all over America. Welcoming Mike Brown to the show. What's up, Brownie? How are you? Suck it, Brownie. Oh, boy. Here we go. I mean, honestly, the Loretta's thing was bad enough, Kiefer. I mean, it was Tennessee. We all expected Brownie to win. He's, you know, next level there. Jeez. But what we when he came out to Glen Helen, I mean, what happened? Nothing. You're looking at Brownie like it's Brownie. The, the two years earlier when you beat him, he wasn't riding. I even said that on a podium. He wasn't riding that much. But I was more prepared than I was the year that. Yeah, a little yeah. bit better. Okay, prepared for All right. <laughs> a lot more. He's just not saying. Are we getting shit still for in these older classes? Are people freaking out? Or are we? Are we, everyone uh, kind of calm down now? It's bad and sad and everything else. I understand people like we shouldn't be in there. Like you're a former Supercross racer. I would say half the classes either did nationals, and for sure, I'd say all the classes that guys in my class 
rides probably 10 times more than I do a year now. So they think I ride every day. I train every day. I don't. I don't do that. I ride my bicycle and I go to the gym. That's about it. But and everybody gets so mad. There should be a pro class. I don't know. Bring a pro class. I well, don't know what else to tell you. There should be forty fast ex pros that, that that have a class, but there isn't. There's not. There's right. not. No. Right. So 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 just Mike Brown doesn't get to race a motorcycle. Like he can't enjoy himself. He just. Right. Like, there's no class for him other than what he's in. Like, I don't... These fucking whiners, man. The complainers and whiners of the world. Because you can't beat him, Mike Brown can't race? Is that That's the attitude? Like, what the fuck, man? Like, I don't get... And also, by the way, breaking news. You're not getting a factory ride from this race. Right, we're old. Nobody's gonna... Exactly, yeah. If you beat Mike Brown or finish second... The coster's not calling you for a ride, dude. I love racing motorcycles just like you. Yeah, like, what are you not, like, I don't, I, I don't know, I don't know. I, yeah, maybe I'll quit tomorrow, but like, I, I still like riding and yeah. racing and the whole thing, being around it. But it's kind of sad, really. Like, it's, I, I, I don't enjoy going racing. I here, do not go and enjoy racing one bit now, but it's just because I know people say stuff. I feel embarrassed out there racing the fifty plus class because people don't want me out there. Like, I'm fifty. Years old, I should be able to race whatever class well, I want. It's not fun. Yeah. Okay, Roto. So I see both sides of what Mike's saying. Look, that's the only class I have available. There should be another class, but there's not. So I'm. I get all that, but once again, going to Steve. Don't know why he cares about the people. Why he gets so fired up? But yeah, I don't think anybody that's racing Mike Brown thinks their Roger DeCoster is going to call them if they win. That's not the point. They work hard going to these races. They spend a lot of money. And racing at the amateur level is still important to us. It still means something to go compete. Yeah, it's just really hard because, um, you know, the great point was made of like, what else is he supposed to do just because he's a pro, he can't race anymore. Like, it's more a, it's more a disservice the rest of the retired guys are doing that we don't have more that could make a class. Like, right. I would love, I think the whole sport would love to have a retired class, even if we're not having, you know, the Rickies and James and Jeremy's just like even the middle tier guys, because Mike Brown, like, obviously he won a title, but he was he was not, you know, not an upper tier guy for the majority of his career. But I don't know. I, I mean, I just, it does have to be demoralizing knowing that you just can never win. But most of us, that was our entire experience growing up anyway. Because even if we had the best race of our life, there was always somebody <laughs> at our local scene that was going to smoke us every single time. Right. But so I, I guess enjoy the ride more than chase the trophy. I don't know. It's hard to say. Yeah, I definitely don't see, like, I, I wouldn't whine and complain about it if I was going to Loretta's. But, Kelly, I mean, I do get the fact that like it, it's imp- it is important to the guys that go race this the amateur guys that go race Loretta's it matters Steve's wrong it does matter to that person it matters yeah it does I mean the one thing that like bums me out with with Brownie's kind of tone for that like like they're saying is that like you know he doesn't really have any other options and and honestly if you look at most other forms of motorsport racing whether it's you know like uh, you know, sprint car racing or anything from the F1 or single seater side of it. Like if you have a former like NASCAR champion jump down and race a sprint car race after he's retired, like most people are like, this is awesome. Like we get to go race him. This is cool. Like I never expected I'd get to race Mike Brown in my life. That's awesome. But most people instead just get upset about it and say like, I don't want him in my class. I want to try to win. So like, it's a bummer from that side of it that they don't look at it as the cool opportunity it is to see yourself against a pro athlete. Um, instead they're, they're, you know, 
upset that they don't get that chance to win, even though that they felt like they worked for it. And I agree, you know, they, they go out there to try to win. But I, I think that at, when you get to that age, it should be more about the, the cool side and the having fun side of it than it is to, like Steve says, trying to impress anybody, you know? Yeah, and Kiefer made that point. So yeah, that's that. There's truth to that. But I did get a little bummed at the end when he Mike said, "I don't have fun going racing. It's a little embarrassing. It's kind of sad." Like that kind of hurt my heart a little bit. Yeah, I agree. I, I, honestly, what I wish that we could see Brownie do uh, is, you know, why not try a national year or something like that? Like the whole point of him doing all these little races is he still loves racing. So, you know do a national or go do a, a flyaway GP and still get that itch scratched a little bit or something like that. Because it seems to me that like speed wise is still pretty darn good in a lot of areas. And, and I think that it'd be fun to see, you know, like we had Lammy come back and, and race a couple times and other things like that. Like why not try it out? You know? Yeah. That'd be rad to see him at some of these races. You're right. He's, he's definitely fast enough. I mean, he came out here to Tyler to the pro challenge and, he was as fast as like Grant Harlan and those guys. So yeah, he's, he's right there with the, those type of privateers. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Did you guys, either one of you get to see the pictures of Steve's dirty or not dirty bike? I I did. Yeah. Kellen. I didn't, I did not. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well then I'll go to you Roto. So I looked at him. I actually saw him while I was watching live. They, they marks put him up on the screen and Steve made a comment, something along the lines of, it's going to look dirty if you don't see any parts that are clean. So they're showing parts that are dirty. That means it's dirty. The bike was dirty, Roto. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> Come on, for man. Me, for me, here's my thing is that that is a brand new bike. Yes. Yes. Brand new, brand new. That is where I'm like, when I get a new bike, I feel like I, I polish wash it for a while. And then like after a while, you might start slacking on it a little bit, you know what I mean? And not getting the little crevices and here and there. So it being a brand new bike that a lot of the public have voiced, they cannot even acquire if they wanted one. He probably should be treating it better. He's jaded, but Roto. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's up in his, you know, white castle on top of the mountain with his 30 foot ceilings, Kellen. Yeah, I mean, I don't really understand the the reason why he doesn't, I guess, take a little bit better care of the bike, um, because he does so even with some of his uh, uh, e-bikes, like his uh, mountain bikes, where he doesn't wash them for a couple rides or weeks or something like that. And uh, when you think of his career as a mechanic and some of the things that he talks about today that irked him, uh, you would think he'd be a little bit more anal about that kind of stuff, but for some reason he's not. It doesn't make sense to me. No, and the stuff that he does wrong is is fine, right? But everybody else, they're, they're just <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, and the polls, of course, for in his, when they go or not in his favor, the polls are bullshit. Well, all the polls on Twitter are bullshit. <laughs> just so everybody knows, that's a fact. It's it's science. And also, when it comes to science. Seal Savers protects your forks. For 22 years, Seal Savers has offered the ultimate protection to the off-road industry. Seal Savers is the first and original fork seal protection that protects your forks from dirt, dust, rocks, sand, and mud. Seal Savers will always continue to innovate and improve, which is what led to the development of the easy-to-install Zip-On Seal Savers. Not only do they have a full line of products for your motorcycle, Seal Savers has essential products that are crucial for the performance of your side-by-side and your mountain bike. 
SealSavers is the ultimate protection, so enter the code PULP25 for 25% off at SealSavers.com. Roto, we got an announcement on LifeSwap the week of Arlington. Steve has to do some durability testing, and Chris Kiefer has to do shows, podcasts, and even the fantasy pod. This, I've said from the beginning, I just don't see them going a full week. I cannot imagine Steve's going to be able to stay at Kiefer's house for a week. I think he quits. I'll probably be proved wrong, but this whole thing is going to be entertaining no matter what. Yeah, I can't decide if I'm mad that I'm not more involved or if I'm upset that I have to be as involved as I am because okay. I'm at least going to have to edit down the Kiefer show and I'm going to have to probably help on the fantasy pod and it's going to be an absolute train wreck. But like, I want to be closer to watch it. I just wish I wasn't involved. Well, okay. Why do you think it's going to be such a train wreck on the podcast side? He knows how to use the, well, his Steve's equipment's different than what he uses. So maybe not. I mean, he doesn't even, as far as the fantasy podcast goes, he hates fantasy with a passion. Like he, he has expressed it even privately, how much he just kind of hates the whole idea. And as a writer first, I get that a lot of the writers, you know, see the, the bad things as much, if not more than the good things about it. So I just can't imagine him trying to wrangle in Paul, Dan, JT, and maybe myself, and then Kiefer having to try to manage four people and keep it going, it's just going to, it's going to be the never ending podcast. Oh, it's going to be so gonna fun. End, end abruptly at some point. It, it's just going to be him saying how stupid this is. It doesn't matter. and doesn't make sense. Kellen, it's going to be, it's going to be the best fantasy pod I think of all time. <laughs> well, what my hope with it that week then is that, uh, you know, uh, Paul or Dan or somebody had an atrocious week in fantasy. So they're all hot and bothered by <laughs> some guy. And then Kiefer's trying to wrangle the show together while those guys are just going off and it just turns into a train wreck from there. It'd be fantastic. Oh, it will be. Roto, are you married? Yeah. Okay. So would either of your wives do this? Roto, would your wife agree to something like this with somebody? Um, you know what? She's pretty cool about stuff. So like, I want to say, yeah, but it would definitely be very dependent on the person. Yeah. Um, obviously course. in this instance, like Kiefer is already very close to the family. So I would say in this kind of instance, if it was apples to apples, I think, I think she'd at least entertain the idea, but she'd hate every minute of it. Okay. I think Pookie's going to have a great time. I think Heather's going to be <laughs> miserable, but Kellen, <laughs> would your wife, would your wife go for this? Yeah, I think she would be into it. Like, if it is a, a situation where it's close friends, like it is with with uh, Mathis and Kiefer, I could totally see her doing it. It would be an interesting challenge, to say the least. Do you know? There's not. I'll, I'd put twenty five. I'll put twenty bucks. Twenty bucks that Kiefer gets Pookie to like take a picture of them like in bed together or something just to mess with Steve, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And and Heather would probably try to get Steve to do it. And Steve's like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't wait. Absolutely. I cannot wait for that. I, I'm so excited. Uh, let's let's move on to David Villeman. As I said earlier, the genius that is David Villeman, he came on, he, did, he had the discussion or the question, I think Steve asked him if the Buku was his deal was his biggest regret. And he kind of got into that a little bit, Kellen, just talking about how it was two times the money, two years, like pretty smart decision, sound like. I just, I love his honesty and just, yeah, there's no regrets. Yeah, I mean, that's really cool to hear like how transparent he is about that stuff these days, too, because, um, you know, sometimes riders will always just keep that kind of stuff under wraps. They don't want to tell how much money they made or whatever, even long after it's already been, you know, cleared and they've already had it in their 401k for a decade or whatever. But I love how DV just like 
lays it all out there like yeah I, I, why not why would i make less money and have the same you know situation that i've had the last several years i should go make more money and get more before i retire and all this stuff like that like that's a lot of what he was talking about in a way is what we see with some current guys like not necessarily kenny but some guys will take deals that are financially maybe a little better for them but not in a better place uh in terms of equipment or something like that because there's only so much time that these athletes have to make good money in the sport so it's kind of cool to hear that in a retrospective from dv to talk about like yeah you got to make the money when you can and when they're offering that kind of money you sometimes just have to say yes. There's almost no answer but yes in those situations. Exactly. Roto, how do you feel about David DV as a guest? He's he's a fun one, but he can he if he's on too long, like when he's in studio, it could be a little much sometimes. Yeah, I think he's definitely uh, a little better in moderation for sure because he he just has a very dry not even sense of humor. He's just, just a very dry personality a lot of the time with a lot of the subjects. But yeah, I mean, his, his no-nonsense attitude and and like Kellen pointed out, you know, he, he is willing to open up and kind of show his vulnerabilities, which doesn't really fit what you think of a guy that, you know, the way he normally carries himself. So I love when he's on, but I agree. He's a much, I, I prefer him as a caller rather than a five-hour in-studio guest. Right, I agree. And Chris Kiefer asked him, since he's working with Marvin, you know, about the issues with the whoops, to which David said, I don't know if I'm the right guy to answer this, but then he gave us this. Everyone's talking about the bike and the whoops. And, you know, obviously we know Marv um, is maybe not the best in the whoops, but do you think it is the bike more so than the riders? Or do you, has that been talked about? Where, where are we at with the new bike and the frame and all these things in your eyes? Today, the, the, the East guys... Um the Bakers guy were at the track and, uh, you know, even Marv, like, whoops were fine. When Coop was um, uh, was champion the second time, mm-hmm. I don't think the bike was very good in the whoops, like, or his setup. Uh, he made it work somehow. A lot of that has to do with the rider, though. You know, you can you can give uh, Christian Craig whatever bike you want. Uh, you can give him Mathis' bike that's in, in his garage right now. He's going to go through the whoops fine. You know, I was just in Paris. The whoops were big, and both Coop and Marv were off the pace compared to the other three no, guys. No, but they're, they're not good. They're, they're not as good as the two two of the guys. That's it. I think you, you put a Kenny on a Coop's bike, you'd be fine. Okay. You know, it's look at the entrance. You only have to look at the first two whoops, mm-hmm. and then you look at where the front wheel hit the first whoops, and where is the real wheel hits the first whoop on. Uh, either Tomac and Roxanne where they were the two best ones or even Brighton that was very good too yep, yep. and then you look at um, the other guys and you, you look at where they hit the whoops the first ones and that's not the bike right there you know a whoop is, uh, is kind of steep and round on top right mm-hmm. so if you hit the, you both wheels where the the whoops are steep, the bike's going to stop and it's going to go up and down. It's going to rock. It has to. But if you get in and you get on top with the speed, the technique, your legs, and then you bring the bike up to hit with your wheels when the the whoops are flatter, it's like going on a straight line. It's easy. It's just the fact of having the technique to commit with the speed and do like a... Uh, it, you see what they do? They they do like a bunny hop, like a mm-hmm. BMX thing just yeah, before they, it, 
to get on top. Like if you you do that, you can have whatever bike. You know, you can have Jessica Paros on the uh, 250 RMZ with no helmet. With no helmet and, and flip flops, right? Yeah, and then it's be good. <laughs> right. Do you right. understand? Roto, right there, right. No bullshit, and. That's why I called him a genius. Just that description was great. But he's like, hey, talking about even his guy, Marvin. Marvin Cooper weren't just weren't as good as the other guys at Paris. Like, he broke it down. No bullshit. It's the rider. I don't know. I just loved his analysis because it it seems pretty accurate when you break it down to the, in its simplest form. For sure. And he has the credibility to say something like that and make it stick where, you know, the rest of us bench racers really don't. And... It really, you know, it, it definitely opens up that KTM, I'm not saying that the KTM bike is, you know, maybe it is a little bit worse, but it's also just for whatever reason, they're, they sign the guys that aren't as good in the whoops. And that almost hurts their kind of hurts their reputation as a brand that probably isn't warranted. You know, Marvin Cooper just aren't up to what the rest of the class is. And we have a lot of guys that are, you know, some of the best we've ever seen in the whoops right now that they're competing against. It's not really a fair comparison. No, I just, I thought it was fantastic. Kellen, I, I don't know what it was exactly. I can't really pinpoint why I like that analysis so much. But just just the bluntness, I think, of it. And, hey, put Christian on. He's on Mathis's bike or whoever's bike. It doesn't matter. Jessica Patterson's bike. They're just, there's a technique, and some guys are better than others. Yeah, I mean, what I think I liked about DV's analysis the best is that, you know, not many people, you, me, Roto, we're, we're never going to know what it's like to, face a tall set of whoops and say, all right, I'm hitting third or fourth and going. Um, and so he broke it down for like where you need to hit the whoop, like what actual location on the whoop you have to touch your tire down onto and which tires need to hit where and stuff like that, which is something is way above anything we're ever going to achieve on a motorcycle. So I thought that was really cool. But uh, yeah, like the, his comment about Craig and, and getting on Mathis's bike, you know, I, I asked Craig at their team intro yesterday, I was like, you know, so much is made about this bike. And you were one of the best in the whoops last year. So what do you think? And he goes, well, Malcolm didn't seem to have a problem on this bike. I don't think I'm going to have a problem either. Like, he, he was very blunt. Like, it's they this narrative has definitely shifted, I feel like, in this offseason now that maybe the KTM wasn't the best, like Roto was saying, but it, it's so much about the rider to get the whoops right. And I, I think that, uh, unfortunately, KTM takes a lot of slack for that. But it is what it is when you sign two guys that maybe are not the best in the whoops. It's just how it goes. Yeah, you're right, and I like the the description of like the bunny hop thing that he kind of talked about because you do see like Justin Brayton. There's this motion right as he enters the whoops where he's getting up on top instantly, and he's right, David. It was just I don't know, man. That was fantastic. That was the perfect amount of time as kind of Roto pointed on at earlier. Not five hours, but a, a call in, talk about a few topics. It was perfect. Great, great interview with David Villman. Really enjoyed it. The other thing I enjoy is Michelin bicycle tires. You guys know all about the Michelin motorcycle tires from Pulpamex, and Michelin bicycle tires is a proud sponsor of this wrap-up show. And in 1891, Michelin patented the first detachable bead pneumatic bicycle tire. And to this day, Michelin continues to innovate and produce world-class podium finishing products for both road and mountain bikes. If you'd like to ride the same Michelin bicycle tires and mountain bike legend Cam Zink, then visit bike.michelin.com for all the details on Michelin's extensive range of bicycle products including the Wild Enduro, the E-Wild, the new BMX 20-inch Pilot tires, or any of the road models, michelin.com, or bike.michelin.com. So I had a couple listeners reach out and ask, 
during the Michelin motorcycle tire read, Steve was making some comments about Randy and how he makes a big production out of everything, except when something recently happened and he didn't make a big production out of it. Clearly, Steve's wanting some praise for something he did uh, again. So I had some listeners kind of ask me, like, if I knew what the details were, do you guys, you guys remember that moment at all? Bagley? Bagley? Okay. Well, yeah, yeah, I watched it, but I don't remember the, the production itself. Well, he was talking to, you know, he was talking to Chris and said, yeah, he got it. Cause Chris was like, did he get it? Do you know who he got it from? Yeah, he got it. He didn't know who sent it, but I made sure he knew who sent it. I told him I sent it basically like, so I, and people were wondering what was going on. So I reached out and it stems from the vet nationals. They talked about the scoop. Randy had to get him a tire and Randy paid for the scoop with his own money and sent it, I think overnight to get it there in time. And then they never even used it. So Steve, basically it was like $190 for Randy to do that. So Steve told me today, I asked him what happened. He just said, he said, I bought some things to make up for the $190. So he, he sent some, something to Randy. He didn't tell me what to make up for. And apparently Kellen, Randy just didn't make it big enough. Thank you publicly. So Steve can get his praise. I wonder if what he sent was from uh, their dear friend, Nick. That's the only thing I'll have to say about that. <laughs> That's a good point. Mm. I do not know. Yep. I would like to have a package from our dear friend, Nick, show up at my house. <laughs> Oof. Use some grill your ass off. It'd be a good weekend right there. But for those asking... That's the basic basis of what I have. I don't know the details of what was sent, but that's what happened. Once again, Steve just needing that acknowledgement that he's changing people's lives. Okay. The rest of the show, it's going to be about me. Being, me, Steve, uh, Steve being oblivious to the working man, the normal people. Steve's just not a good person sometimes, Kellen. He's just not always a good person. <laughs> uh i think yeah he he has a jaded view of reality a little bit sometimes which is weird because as a struggling mechanic in the late 90s he definitely knew what it was like to not have you know kind of everything that he needed um but i don't know man like (laughs) i don't know why he is so adamant on like driving home this point at this at this point anymore like I, it was one thing when he made fun of you um, after it happened, but now like to start the show off and be so upset about Twitter users and still not really understand why people don't have an $800 line of credit and, and all this stuff like that. It's like, we're done. Like it, it doesn't really yeah, matter. It, at this should point anymore. it should be over. It should be over. Well, since it wasn't over, we've got to touch on it. I'm going to play some audio. It's a little bit long. It's three and a half minutes, but man, there's a lot of good F-bombs. So we got to let it play through. So here we go. Mr. Side and these people coming down on me for my my terrible things. Wow. Uh, you know? I did listen to that, by the way. That was that wasn't great. <laughs> it wasn't great. <laughs> but it was good? I mean, it, I but, love you. But it was good? That wasn't great. Even Man. though he tells you yes you can, you Fuck shouldn't. My ass. <laughs> he said I can. It doesn't matter. He said I could. Oh boy. All right. There's a, there was a line there that may or may not have been crossed. Listen, yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna uh, deny that I took some heat from our listeners <laughs> on that. I really I did. Bet. I bet a lot of people weren't happy with that. Look it, but it, the poll we ran a poll. I did see the poll. The, if I was dark side, dark side effed up and said, "Yeah, dude, just keep it on the DL," and then it would have been fine. Never would have brought it. Right. Up. 
Any Again, chance Darkseid, maybe there's some confusion on how far Darkseid thought oh, that conversation no. he, might he go. He knows. I got the money back, okay. but not without a lot of fighting for the money. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yes, Steve. I did say you could talk about it, but I had no fucking idea it was going to go where it went. Oh, my. Stop it. No, listen. <laughs> Even I Eric is shaking his head. <laughs> Look, it, I stuck up for you. Now I'm on Steve's side because you, you know Whatever. you know exactly if you open the door for Steve, you know what you're going to do. It's a Mack truck coming I through. thought for sure we're going to bust on fucking Michael Lindsay for fucking not getting the bill paid. Please. And the the fact that it went to everybody has eight hundred dollars blew my fucking mind. Eighty four percent. I don't give a shit what the fucking Twitter polls. Oh, there we go. Another, oh, another, another no. guy. The poll people. Poll people. Poll people. Yeah, poll people. No, I'm telling you, very. That's very uncommon for people to fucking have. People don't so, have fucking credit cards, and they have. So eighty four percent or whatever is just lied. They just no, lied. No, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say eighty four percent of the people that fucking voted. Probably do, but that's not a fucking accurate fucking poll. A lot of F-bombs. Just relax. Yeah. Just calm down. Chill, chill, chill back. Right. Chill down a little bit. Chill down. All right. I was fucking dumbfounded. Oh, F. Easy f <laughs> I was dumbfounded that it went to the fact that I didn't have, because I just, to me, that's pretty common. Again, it's if you're 25 years old, no, I get Steve. it. I get it. You don't have the Listen, money. Don't like, open it back up. Off-season shows. Catch the fever. People... Lots of people, Steve, adults, work just to fucking get by. I agree with let, that. Let, like, hold I on. Agree. But again, you're like the poll people. You're misunderstanding what it was, what the question was. Working to just get by cards. is one thing, but having a credit card with a $1,000 limit for emergencies is what I'm talking about. Yep. Now, I'm not talking people about... Like that. I'm not talking about people making like enough to get by. Credit cards. Okay? You can make enough money to just get by in life, <sighs> and I understand that, and I get that. What I'm talking about is if you dog gets hit by a car, wife needs a kidney, um, you more than your, your car gets broken into, like, do you have an extra mo- credit card somewhere for that kind of money or ability to get that money? That's what I'm talking about. Hold on. And I'm telling you, most, most of the people that are just getting by don't have those credit cards because then they would use that credit card to pay my water bill this month or my electric bill that I barely have money for. They don't uh, have that. Let me, let me just That's ask you really a question. Common. Dark side. All right, that cut off a little bit. But, yeah, Roto, give me some thoughts. How do you feel about all this? Oh, I will say that this this segment was much more entertaining than the last one was was definitely much uh, much less harsh. I thought I thought last show was was definitely over the top and dragged on too long, but this was entertaining. That's the good whole to hear. Through, especially once uh, Michael Lindsay got involved, <laughs> I, I had a I had a much better time listening to it. Um, but as far as the subject matter goes, I don't know. I mean, I'm torn because I I think the problem is is that a lot of these guys, you know, I know Steve. Uh, like Kellen said, was a struggling mechanic in the 90s. But it's been so long where the three of us can at least say we're all new blood. This is this whole thing is new to us. We've only been doing this for a short time. We had a more traditional employment before that. That they just don't, you know, sometimes they don't understand what it's like to be on the other side of a paycheck to paycheck situation or just not having a, you know, a career path really carved out at all, like a long-term path. Yeah, I, I would agree. Kellen, thoughts? Yeah, I mean, right off of what Roto's saying with that, like, you know, this is your first, like, race that you, for example, were covering overseas, and there's things that you have to learn almost the hard way, which Steve, I'm sure, learned the hard way the first time he did an overseas race and stuff like that, but 
there wasn't a podcast show in 97 <laughs> that would pick on Steve Mathis because he didn't know this thing about Kelly Smith's horse stroke or whatever back then. So it it is a bummer, I guess, in that sense that like he doesn't, I think, realize some of the struggles that a new person to the sport or a new person in the industry might go through with that. And, and then talking about the, you know, the financial side of it a little bit, like, you know, what I felt like what got lost a little bit in the conversation was uh, a lot of people saying, well, he's just talking about, does someone have $800 to spend? But he's obviously talking about, does someone have a credit card with an $800 line limit or higher so that they could drop it then and then pay it back later? But that's, as the caller that called later, the I don't, I don't remember the female's name, but she called and said, Crystal. that's how people get in trouble. Yeah, Crystal, like, that's how people get in trouble is that they do have that line. They overspend to that limit. They don't have the money to back that up. And then they go into debt and fall further into debt. And then that's how that credit card stream just continues to roll and roll and roll. And that's a problem for a lot of people, not just some people. So um, there's just a lot of angles that I feel like we're kind of, you know, Steve misses when he discusses these finances, because as we mentioned, he's, he's well off right now and he's been that way for a little while. Yeah. He's gotten a little bit comfortable and yeah, those people uh, coming from the type of work I did with what we'll call middle class or whatever, middle America. Yeah. We, you know, barely the barely getting by and he brought up the point, Steve brought up the point and I'm sure people don't want to hear this. Just fast forward. I don't want to tell you, uh, like, what about if their dog dies or gets hit by a car or their or their car breaks down? Well, a lot of the people I know, then they go, shit, I got to find somebody to get me to work now because I don't have the money to fix that. I don't have the money to do this. It just doesn't exist. Like, I've I been through these situations. You know, I've, I've lived this life, right? I've already, I've been here where I was week to week, uh, you know, and my mom would be like, well, I don't, I don't understand, you know, like my parents would be like, I don't understand why you're struggling so much. I'm like, well, literally I make X, but my bills are X plus 50. That's just the way it is. And the only bills I have are the necessities. What are you supposed to do? You just have to figure it out. And a lot of America does live that way. And, you know, Kiefer made the point like, and he, we actually talked the next day. He's like, you just got to have like, if you're going to be traveling, you got to know, and you got to have this little cushion, your credit card or whatever but that has to come from somewhere. You have to have that available and not everybody does. I mean, technically I did, unfortunately. Let's back up a little bit. The whole, just because he says it's okay to talk about it thing that Kiefer brought up doesn't mean that it's okay. I'm okay clearly with being made fun of to a degree. I've allowed that through most of my relationship with Steve. You know, it's whatever. I, I truly never thought it would go to this point Point with this conversation because I just assume most people know that most people have this issue, right? And a lot of people don't have extra money. So I was a little uh, surprised and that's on me for that. It went here, but anyway, I don't know. I lost track of what I was going to say. It, the whole thing was just uh, not what I expected. I did feel a little bit, I don't know what the word is. Maybe humili humili humiliated. It, it's a little embarrassing, but I have opened myself up to some of the shit. Some of it's on me for allowing it. And even the, the Zell conversation, like the, the app that Steve wanted me to pay him back on, he, he got me pretty good with his response on that with uh, well this right here. You pick some stupid app that only has a $500 limit per week or okay. whatever. So I had to pay you. That was on okay. you. Sir, would you like me to blow you out one more oh, time? Oh, Don't do it, Dark. Oh, you cracked the door. Don't do it. The stupid app. 
goes off your bank balance on how much it lets you send. So I don't have that limit, <laughs> Mr. Side. I send thousands of dollars via that app. So your limit is due to your bank balance. So once again, that my my budget wasn't as big as yours. Look at your ceilings. So yeah, he got me there, Roto, because I had no idea. That made me feel even smaller. <laughs> but like, you know, like I don't know what to tell the guy. He didn't have to wait like he said he did to get paid. He did have to. I mean, he did have to wait a little bit. Not like he'd said though. He he wanted me to pay him through this particular app. It only allowed me to send a certain amount, and then it told me I had to wait like another week or whatever it was to pay him again. And and then I think it was like a day over the week. But he he he's exaggerating. Regardless, the whole thing was it was iffy. Uh, I don't. I don't want to blow Steve out entirely here, but um, when I, for doing all the fantasy stuff, I get paid in lump sums rather than weekly. And I'll just say that Steve has had to pay me multiple segments in consecutive days because apparently his limit's not that high either. Oh, nice. So uh, I don't know what that number is exactly. I don't remember, but that was a thing that we had to deal with. But, but the biggest thing is I went to school for finance. I have a degree in accounting and this isn't, this isn't on you. Um, this isn't on the working class and I don't want to make it a big thing, but like we, I wish that there was better infrastructure to teach financial things in school Mm -hmm. and we didn't get that. So, you know, how to, how to get a credit card, how to manage one, what kind of balance you should keep on hand and for why is all stuff that most people didn't learn. And that's not on them because nobody was there to teach it. So, so no shame on you or anybody else that doesn't have a balance on a credit card. Like it's just, it's silly. And I know that you open yourself up for this and you're a good sport and it's all in good fun. But yeah, there's definitely some things that are just a little too personal and a little over the line. Um, maybe just, you know, you're on your way out. You're on to bigger things. You're moving up. He's got to get, got to get a couple last good uppercuts in. Yeah, maybe so. I, I do want to give a shout out to Steve Hall. He's the guy that helps me out a lot with the notes and the wrap up show. He's lives down in Australia and he helps me out a ton. And he did send a, uh, he sent me a message that said the, that Steve's full of shit basically he said the moto demographic is not an accurate representation of the public disposable income uh, of the public because they have disposable income. They obviously buy bikes, they ride. Uh, so Steve's polls, BS, et cetera, Kellen, but, um, I do. Okay. Let's move on a little bit. Cause I want to further prove that Steve is out of touch with this. Uh, let me set the stage here. I was 15 in high school. I took a journalism class mm-hmm. and they said, you got to write a paper on a good journalist. Now I'm thinking, <laughs> now Steve's always bitching about how he's a real journalist. So I should write this paper on Steve and, and say, you know, this is why he's a good journalist. So I was pumped <laughs> on the paper, went to Unadilla, and then I got completely cool guide. How did you get cool guide, Don? Like, what happened? Give us the play-by-play. I went up to Steve and I was like, you know, this is the paper that I wrote. Um, do you want to read it or whatever? And he basically was like cool and just walked away i was like basically, basically a, fuck, a big fuck off armadillo that's awesome he fucking armadillo so hard on you dom hold on dom hold on like okay i'm not disputing that i did that it sounds like i did doesn't but, sound familiar at all no but but dom are you dead serious i could hear I you properly and you said i wrote this paper on you can you read it and i still did that? Was there no, any way that I didn't hear you say, can you read my letter? 
no chance. And I didn't say, can you read it? I figured you'd be so excited by a, a fan to come up and be like, hey, Steve, here's here's a paper I wrote about you. five. And it was just done from there. I didn't even get the chance to say, can you read it? You, you said, Steve, you're such a fucking asshole, dude. I, listen, I don't think this happened. No. Here, okay. Are I'm you sure done. you're not getting me mistaken with Anton? I've met Weege a thousand times. Yeah. He is. He's a great guy. I have positive interactions with plenty of fans in a year. At times. All of them. Oh, my God. You New poll. If you have met Steve oh, at a race. Be careful. My dad's got two kids. One guy on this show tonight, Chris Kiefer, literally picked up one of his sons. The other guy on the show, Steve Mathis, Here's how it went. Dom. Oh, you're going to tell us now how it went. Here's how it went. Dom's 15 years old, right? Yeah. Right, Dom? You said you were 15-ish? 15. It sounds like whatever you're about to say is probably victim blaming. (laughs) He's 15. He's at Unadilla. He's like, hey, Mathis, I wrote a paper about you uh, as a a feature journalist or something. I wrote a paper on you uh, for a journalist I admire. And I went, oh, what's up, man? That's cool. Thanks. And then I walked away. I didn't know that the transaction involved more. Kellen, Dom is my new favorite caller of all time. <laughs> oh, man. Victim blaming. Yeah. That was so good. I know. Um, yeah, I mean, it gets back to what we talked about at the beginning of the show. And, uh, you know, he said, the caller said that, you know, he's talked to Weege plenty of times and Weege is always the nicest guy. And I... I've seen firsthand the way that both Steve and Weege interact with the fans. And yes, sometimes Steve is very much like, Hey man, cool. Thanks for coming or whatever. Like, you know, to show, um, Weege will bro down with anybody. Yep. And so when you, when you put those two next to each other, as they often are at a race, uh, the comparison of the two is so much different to the fact that even though Steve may not be trying to, you know, be a dick or look mad, uh, he may come off that way because Weege is over there literally like partying and taking shots with guys <laughs> right. while Steve's just like, yeah, cool, man. Like I'm going to go have dinner with Pookie now or something like that. Like it, it's, it's just the way that those two interact that makes it, I think sometimes look a little bit more standoffish. So I can see why Steve, you know, in his side of the story says like, I probably was like, yeah, cool, man. Like, and then moved on because that is sometimes just how he interacts. And he, like I said, it's not like he's trying to be a dick. It's just the way that they, go about their business and it's very different than each other i think yeah and Roto, the other thing i think that sort of hurts steve in this um the way people the appearance that, that it the way it comes off is that then steve will say like on air i'm pulped like we i can't believe you you bro down with all the fans like that i just you know i just can't believe you do that i would you know i would i don't know who these people are i would never do that yeah, yeah, it's he. He doesn't help himself because people should already. If you're a, if you're a Steve Mathis fan, you should already know that he's he does not want to be approached because he does not mince words about that on the show. <laughs> it's so weird. Uh, but I will say, I will say, as somebody that it was 2019, I hadn't started doing anything. I was just a fan. Um, we got the VIP passes. We were able to take whole access to the building. We went up to the press box. Steve was there. You know, I set up and said, "Hey, whatever." Talked for a minute, but I also knew. He's a busy guy, and I kept it brief. And I feel like a lot of people don't know how to do that, or they don't know how to, you know, just be like, "All right, I'm going to say hi, and I'm going to leave, or whatever." And so, I, I can imagine that hasn't happened to me, but I can imagine that is something that happens to. Obviously, we see with Weege all the time. 
but and Steve too of just people not quite understanding uh, the etiquette in that kind of situation. So yeah. I can't believe I'm kind of sticking up for Steve a little bit right here on this, but I I can imagine that it gets out of hand sometimes. No, it's good that you. Well, did. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say, Donnie's a hundred percent correct. There have been times that I have stood next to Weed, for example, and listened to him converse with somebody about something, and I am not interested at all in whatever the guy is talking about. Like, sounds like a nice guy, and he's telling a story, but he's like he's going off the deep end about like something that happened in the woods 15 miles behind Unadilla in 1987. And we just, just like, what? No way. And yeah. it like has nothing to do with the national, right, has nothing right. to do with like racing or, or anything. Like it's literally, they're just fishing in the woods or something like that. And weeds will be like, that's incredible. That's amazing. Whereas I could totally see Steve being like, yeah, man, cool. Like, yeah, don't care. I don't really want to hear this story anymore. <laughs> like, right. I, I'm no, you're 100% so. right. I've seen stuff like that too with Weege, and he makes it like he, he'd he want to go hang out with the guys and, and experience the same thing. So you're right. And uh, Roto, your story is almost identical to mine. 2017, VIP passes, press box, Arlington, met Steve, talked to him for just a quick minute or two, told him, hey, you know, I call on your show all the time. And, you know, and both of us ended up working for him. So, yeah, was just, but I, I kind of also knew to not wear him out, right? Asked a few questions, try to leave him alone. Yeah, yeah. So take yeah. that take that to heart, everybody listening. You want an industry job? The way to start is to know when to wrap up the conversations with the personalities. With at least Steve. Not so much, maybe not so much we, <laughs> yeah. but Steve. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, uh, those who ride dirt bikes, motorcycles, ATVs and UTVs know Motorsport is the best place for OEM and aftermarket parts, riding gear, and accessories. Motorsport.com's dedicated team of gearheads have the knowledge and expertise to help get your ride working at peak performance and have you looking good too. Whether you race on the track, ride on the trails, or commute on the street, make your next ride your best ride. Only at motorsport.com. Just a couple more things I want to touch on. Uh, probably some more, I don't know, deprecation, if that's the right word, that's going to come towards me is this dating game idea that Kiefer had in a group text, came up on the show. How do you think this is going to go, Kellen? If, or should I even do it? Should I even agree to this? I mean, I, at this point, I think you should just do it for like, the fun of it and yeah. see what even happens. I mean, I don't necessarily think that what Kiefer said towards the end there where like, are, are you going to find the love of your life? I don't know. If that's God, I hope happen, not. But, but like, I mean, why not, you know, just run with it. Cause that, clearly they're not going to stop. So you kind of almost have to just play along with the game a little bit at this point. That's very much like the way that it works sometimes with, when Kiefer and Mathis have an idea, they are running and not walk into it, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I th- I'll, I'll play along. But uh, what about you, Roto? You think this is a good idea? I think it's a terrible idea, and you should absolutely do it. <laughs> That's what I thought you were going to say. Yeah. It's going to be good yeah, for the show. It's, it's probably not be, so much for me. It's going to be as much, if not more, of a train wreck than Life Swap. Oh, whew. yeah. It's, it could go really, really bad, but I think I'm in. Let's just see. Let's play it. Like, let's just let it play out. See what happens. I mean, what's the worst that's going to happen? They're going to make fun of me. We do that every week anyway. <laughs> just yeah just take advantage of the situation if they're gonna pay for stuff and whatever pay you to take these people out for dinner or whatever yeah at least if nothing else you're gonna get some nice dinners okay yeah i like a good steak so i'm maybe i think i am in um all right one more piece of audio the race tech rant steve's race tech rant here it goes we get this random text in the middle of the day that says pookie will not let me have a corvette and i'm like thank you baby Jesus for Pookie because I don't think you should have a Corvette. You are a 48 
48? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 48 year old media member of the motocross industry. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like your midlife is happening right now. And yeah, I think this, is. this, this Corvette yeah. is a midlife cry for help. <laughs> but Steve Mathis rolling in a Corvette, it's not you. And it looks super douche. Okay. So hold on. I'm not finished. So he goes on to say how I don't have anything for me. I want something for me. This is Corvette thing is for me. But I brought up the a great piece of information for why don't you buy a van? Fix it up how you want. You can have your mountain bikes in there. You can have whatever it is that you do. Dirt bikes, mountain bikes. You can keep them in there. You can back it up against the garage. Ain't no one stealing shit out of it. So I just feel like Steve doesn't fit the Corvette. I probably don't. I'm tubbier. I'm older. I get it. But it's a the new ones are bitching, like DV says. For the price and the looks and the performance, they're really good. No, no other car that you would want, like a badass Mustang or something like that. A Mustang's worse. What? A hundred percent. The Mustang is a Shelby worse, Mustang is worse than oh for my God. A, an older guy driving a Mustang. Uh, Roto, where do you fall on the vet? Because I'm a vet guy. I'm pretty into him. Uh, I'm a car guy in general. So I actually texted Steve a couple hours ago as I was listening Ugh. back to the show for edits and said, and this is the first time Steve has ever said, love you. He said, love <laughs> you, Roto, because I said, I am fully on board to get the vet. Where do I sign the petition? Okay. Yeah. So I'm in, I'm in, get your car, any age, whatever. If you like cars, you want a fast car, you want to enjoy a car responsibly, get, get your car and don't let somebody talk you into another car, get the car you want, no matter what it is. Uh, that's a fantastic answer, but where do you when you can you compare a Shelby Mustang? Unless it's a, a classic Shelby Mustang, you can't you cannot compare a a current a modern day Mustang to a vet of any kind. Mustangs are just not that great. It's a different echelon of car. Yeah. Again, I, I think a lot of car people don't get it, but like a Corvette is a legitimate bona fide. I'm gonna call it a baby supercar, but it is closer to a supercar. The new ones, yeah. In yeah, like in a competition sense, it's not the same. Like Mustangs are more status symbols. Um, you know, people get a Mustang because they want to. They want people to think they drive a fast car, but people get a Corvette because they actually want to drive a fast car. All right, I dig it, Kellen. Do you have any car interests? Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, it'd be fantastic one day to own a nice car like that. I don't really have like the means at the moment to think about that, so I don't just use your credit card. It, but, yeah, right. I'll, <laughs> I'll max out my card real quick. Uh, I was surprised to learn that Steve was a vet guy. I didn't think that that would be like the type of car he'd be into, but I mean, teach throwing, that's kind of cool. Like biggest takeaway I have from this is Steve complaining that he needs something for himself. Cause like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you've looked around his house lately, but he's got quite a bit of stuff. For yes, he does. In that house. I, I, I live in a two story house myself and granted I have a child, but I do not have the entire second floor of my house to myself the way Steve does. And I also do not have a garage entirely to myself the way Steve does. So uh, interesting take on that. But you know what? Teach their own. Like if, if he wants to get a vet, I don't I don't see why he shouldn't. No, I'm glad you brought that up. The other thing, Roto, that just hit me is, since you're a car guy, is somehow Kiefer saying, well, instead of a vet, get a van. Who the fuck wants a van? I mean, yeah, yeah that's if you're not, a moto that's guy, not a for yourself vehicle. Yeah. That's not a leisure vehicle. <laughs> you're never going to be like, oh, you want to take the van out today? Like, yeah. let's take a nice riverside drive in the van. Like, that's not. 
even comparable. No, it is not. And I take offense to Steve saying only whores banging vans. False. <laughs> False. I've had girlfriends when I had my, my E350. Had, had, had multiple relationships where uh, we had some fun in the back of the van. So that's a false statement, Steve. Call bullshit. Uh, two, I agree. I'm not. I'm not in the slut shaming, Steve. But no. I will say, I, I did get. It did get quite a laugh out of me when yeah. I got alive. There is no reason to shame a woman for liking to have sex as much as we do. We should appreciate it and celebrate it. Uh, there it is. Works Connection Pro Launch Start Device in blue, other colors. Kellen, I don't. I've always wondered why. I didn't even realize they came in orange. I've always wondered why they're all red. So yeah, let's do blue. Let's do green. Let's get them out there. I think they would. I don't see why that's even a question. Yeah, I mean, I when Eric explained uh, why they don't do it, I, I I got it and everything like that. And and really, he also said something in there that he just briefly like went over. But you know, brand recognition. Like sometimes, uh, you know, he's his are in, in red or, or orange or whatever it is. But um, you know, sometimes it's just n- nice to see like you know, if it's a red device, you know what device it is or what brand it is in that sense. Uh, sometimes that's like a, a little bit of a status thing that gets passed over a little bit. Like if you see a red car on the road, it might be a Ferrari. And that's kind of like a status thing uh, that I don't think is talked about enough when it comes to how they manufacture parts and stuff like that. Sometimes it's all about, you know, it, it just has to work exactly the way we want it, or it has to match my bike the exact way we want it. Well, sometimes the part manufacturers want to be known as someone uh, that doesn't just you know cater to every little whim of the manufacturers or every whim of the users and has their own kind of like status with their brand. So I, I I don't see why he needs to change everything about his company for that. You know. All right, I never thought of it that way. Nice nice response, Kellen. I'll give you that one. <laughs> Last thing I didn't even bring up uh, is Robbie McQuarrie from the AMA Arena Cross Series. I Roto, I really liked what he was talking about with the app coming out and fans voting and supporting riders directly, the motivation feature. That's pretty cool. I think that's really neat. And that's going to be good for those guys that, you know, the guys in that series right now, they're not making a bunch of money. So if you get some fan support and they're just kind of innovating new ways to do stuff, that's cool. Yeah. That's honestly really rad. I, uh, that was, I don't know how we didn't really hear about it until now. I don't know if you guys had, but that's really cool news. And I'm a little bummed. Um, that, that didn't have a bigger spotlight on it before the, before the pulp show. But yeah, that's a really cool thing. I'm always excited to see, you know, the teams and series finding ways to get the writers more support. And again, it kind of gives you a, I know it's weird. You're betting to lose money in a way, but you know, like, Hey, get third and I'll give you an extra thousand bucks or whatever. Like those guys will notice that and you will notice it as a fan. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. I think I need to reach out to him for an interview if Kellen hasn't already done it. <laughs> no, I haven't. Okay. Don't don't steal my idea. <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank motorsport.com, Michelin Bicycle Tires, Guts Racing, and Seal, Favor- Seal Savers, as well as all the other Pulpamex sponsors, including X-Brand, Fly Racing, Race Tech, on and on and on. Go to pulpamexshow.com. Use those links. Use those discount codes. Continue to sp- uh, support the guys that support Pulpamex so he will keep doing shows it keeps the band rolling. Um, Kellen, anything that I missed that you want to touch on? No, I, I think it was a good show and good fun to have Kiefer in studio at any point. Actually, no, one thing I wanted to say is I'm getting a little bit bummed that every time Kiefer comes in studio, 
it seems like he pushes Keefer after dark almost every time. Yep. Like he comes in and he starts to show with like, yeah, we'll get into Keefer after dark. And then we get to the five hour mark and he's like, I'll do it next time. I agree. And they did do one. They did do one with the RER, of course, but uh, like sometimes I want to hear Kiefer after dark and he pushes it all the time. I always want to hear Kiefer after dark. And yeah, it was very, I was very disappointed in that. I agree. They, they, they need to manage their time a little better. That's on Steve. I'm sure it's his fault. Uh, Roto, same thoughts on the show. Anything I missed? No, same shots. Yeah. I, uh, especially with it being an off season show, that's definitely the time to have Kiefer after dark. So very yep. disappointed. Well, guys, I appreciate you being a part of it. It means a lot to me. Other than that, though, that's a wrap. We're out. One to go. Why would you want to re-talk about the Pulp Show? Say